They made an interesting twist on the deadlift this year. When we all got the news that Rogue was going to throw $50,000 to anybody that could pull more than 500 kilos on the elephant bar, for me, I was excited. It's great to challenge us guys, you know, and uh, it's, it's definitely going to challenge us. It's going to push us to go even further than what we think we can. Whether even if it happens, whether for anybody or not, you're still going to see the biggest, highest deadlifts. The current record's going to get shattered, and everybody's going to be aiming for that 1100. You know that, uh, do you know what that is? That was the Arnold Classic. They do that every year, among other things. It's many things, but it happens right down the road in Columbus, right? Um, the guy who set the record, Hafthor Bjornsson, you might know him by another name, The Mountain. Plays The Mountain on Game of Thrones, if you've watched that show. I never have. I'm just telling you, that's supposedly, that's who he is. But the, the mountain is really a mountain of a man. He's 6'9". 425 pounds, has a 60-inch chest, a 48-inch waist. His shoulders are two feet across. It's a large, large man. You know, did you notice on that last one when he was trying to break the record, did you see the blood on his forehead? Do you know how he got that there? Blew a blood vessel on his forehead. There's other footage I suggest you do not watch of one of those guys trying to make that lift and it, his, he has a nosebleed that just explodes just as he's trying to lift that. And here's the part that cracks me up. Supposedly, that's normal. He does it all the time. I don't know about you, but if I start bleeding when I'm doing something, that's usually a sign to stop, right? That's usually, it's time to quit. 
But he does. But, but Hafthor Bjornsson is a, is a huge mountain of a man. Do you have a picture of him, I think? You're having a little technical difficulties. No worries. We'll get there. So he, is, uh, he trains. This guy trains six days a week. He eats six to eight full meals a day. Not snacks, full meals a day. Roughly 12,000 calories a day he takes in. Uh, it, it, cost, it costs to feed him over $22,000 a year to feed him, just him. He uh, has people who actually do all the grocery shopping for him because he doesn't have time. So he goes, he has, they, they pay people to go do all the grocery shopping for him just to keep up. If he travels and he's, he's in a foreign country, they will go through a home improvement store and pick up a couple of small dorm refrigerators to put in his, apart, in his hotel room to keep all the food that he needs to eat in a given day. Uh, I'm going to say that's commitment, right? There he is. There's the mountain. All that training, all that desire and dedication, and he still has limits. He still has limits. He could not raise that last weight. He did not make it, did not get the $50,000. They were doing all that work for $50,000, and he didn't get it. And he had blood flowing out of his forehead trying to get it. Do you ever feel like life has asked you to lift a weight that no matter how hard you try, you can't lift it? No matter how much you train, you can't lift it. No matter how much you're, you do or are dedicated to it, you just can't do it. This is, a, this is, this is one of the greatest difficulties of our life at, at times, is trying to figure out how to get through those times, those challenges, those weights in our life that we can't lift on our own, which leads us into our topic for today. Um, we're in the third and final week of our series called Unrivaled. In the first week, we talked about the, the person of Christ, the identity of Christ. He's, he's unrivaled in who he is. There is no one else like him. He is the very radiance of God. He has an amazing ability to bring rest to us where nobody else can. Last week, we talked about how he is unrivaled in his priesthood. He is both priest and king. He is incorruptible. He is always present. He is always secure, and there's no one or nothing else in this world that can offer you that. And then this week, we're going to talk about how he is unrivaled in his ability to carry the load with us, to pick up those loads that you cannot pick up on your own, no matter how hard you train or how bad you want it. Because I do not believe that God gives us more, does not give us more than we can handle. I think he does but I think he never gives us more than he can handle. And sometimes we need to realize that and recognize that. And we talk about that. We talk about how God can carry us and God can get us through things. And God, and yes, God can. But I find so many people that struggle with how do you get that? Even people who say they know the Lord, how do you get that? How do you find that connection to God where he carries the load with you and you feel like he is with you the whole time? And so we're going to spend some time in Hebrews today working on how we get that. How, you, how do you tap into that? How do you tap into this, this Lord who is unrivaled in his capacity to lift whatever spiritual, emotional, or physical weight you need lifted? How do you find him? 
in your deepest, darkest times? How do you find him when there's blood flowing out of your forehead from all the stress you're going through? Because, you know, remember that Jesus, when he was hanging on the cross, he sweated blood from the intensity and just the challenge of what he was going through. Life is not always good. Life is not always easy. Life pushes us in ways we don't, weren't made to be pushed and really wish we weren't, but it does. And there will be times where it will be more than you can handle. That's when you need the Lord. So let's talk about how to get there, how to find that. The first one is simple. The first point I'm going to make is simple. Choose faith. And you say, choose. Yeah, choose it. Choose faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 6 says this. It says, now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. For by it, our ancestors won God's approval. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was approved as a righteous man because God approved his gifts. And even though he is dead, he still speaks through his faith. By faith, Enoch was taken away, and he did not experience death. He was not to be found because God took him away. For before he was taken away, he was approved as one who pleased God. Now with faith, it is impossible. Now without faith, it is impossible to please God, since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Faith is... Um, we like to think is, is one of the most difficult things that we can, we can have because it requires depending upon something that you cannot see, touch, feel, right? I like to be able to see, touch, feel, and, and, and confirm things. But I would, I would challenge that notion on, on two fronts. One, um, you express faith every day. Every day in other things. How many of you got up this morning with zero extra spare time between when you were supposed to get in your car and when you were supposed to be here. Okay? You had Thank you, honesty. I appreciate that. You had faith that when you got up this morning, your car was going to do what? Start. You had faith that the roads between here and there were going to be passable, workable, good, not covered, Right? Did you have faith that when you got here, the lights would be on, the doors would be open, and there would be people here smiling to greet you? You believe that, right? But you also have faith, and that's purely out of just a desire and a necessity, I think, because if you didn't have faith that your car was going to start, you'd have to get up an hour early to go put a monitor on your car and troubleshoot your car to make sure it started right? You'd have to leave early to make sure the roads were clear. And if you really didn't have faith the lights were going to be on, you would get, have to get here early and turn on the lights yourself, right? So you, you have faith, which by the way, there are people that turn on the lights. They don't turn on magically. There are people, mostly Rebecca and Tom Losey, who get here every morning, every Sunday morning at 7 a.m. Did you know that? They're here every Sunday morning at 7 a.m. to make sure the lights are on, the place is clean, and we are ready to go, okay? That's faithfulness, right? They're being faithful. 
But you have faith every day. You have faith that when you drive over a bridge, it's not going to collapse because that would ruin my day. Would that ruin your day? Okay. You have faith constantly. You practice faith out of necessity. You practice faith out of convenience. The difference between faith in a bridge, not collapsing, and faith in the Lord, though, is profound. One, it's not tangible always. It's not something you can see in front of you. But it is also something far greater. It is, it is a reward of things not seen. So I want to challenge the notion that, that you can't be faithful. You are faithful every day in something. Many things, probably. You're trusting. So if, you, if that's your challenge, if you say, I can't have faith, I can't find that, I would say you're lying to yourself. You can. You can find that. The question is, what are you going to have faith in? And all those other things that, that I just mentioned about your car starting and the road getting here and the lights being on and the bridge not falling and all of those things, those are physical, tangible, present things that affect your life in the moment. What we're talking about here is having faith in something that affects your eternity. The stakes are larger. Don't you think it should demand more? It's a bigger deal. So how do you tap into that? Well, faith is the start of it, and let's talk about what faith does that is necessary for you to find Christ in your deepest, darkest, heaviest times. The first is this, faith builds assurance and conviction. It drives out doubts about your past. How many of you think you can't find Christ because of things you already did? How, how often does that keep you from connecting with God? You say, well, I did this five years ago or this two years ago or this three years ago or I did this last week or I did this yesterday and I can't connect with God. Faith recognizes that God can forgive you beyond what you can forgive in yourself. It throws those doubts out. Faith in building its assurance and conviction keeps you from being nervous in the present that you're not good enough right now. There are many that do not come to the Lord or do not connect more deeply with the Lord because they feel like they're not good enough right now. Can I just tell you two things? One, you're not because none of us are. And two, that doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. The third is this, you know, it also gives you faith, building assurance and conviction drives out your fear of the future. I think that's one of the, the greatest gifts that I've gotten from my faith is trusting and believing that God will work it out. How much of a weight that takes off your shoulders? Knowing no matter how it's going to work out, it'll work out the way God wants it to and that I will eventually, eternally be fine. Gives you perspective that you can't find anywhere else. You know, um, when Joshua was learning to walk, he um, refused to um, not cruise, which means hold on to something as you go, right? He refused to not cruise. He would not let go and walk across a room, even though everybody in the room except him knew what? He could totally walk. We knew that, right? And then one day, he wanted to know where I was. And, and Heather says he's in his office. 
So he, without thinking, lets go and walks all the way across the house and into my office. Because something was more important than his fear. It's finding me, which makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside, right? But something was more important than his fear. Fear is one of these things that holds us back from doing what God would have us do. Faith helps us recognize there's something more important than that fear. An eternal life with Christ. So many of the weights we carry in our life, we are not willing to put down because we're afraid of what lies on the other side. Faith helps you realize the other side is better. The second thing is this. Faith faces the future with confidence. It solidifies your hope. It stands firm in the midst of the gale force winds of your trials. It's interesting in this scripture we just read, it speaks of Enoch. Enoch who was taken away by faith. He didn't experience death. Who is is Enoch's dad? Anybody know? Cain. Cain is Enoch's dad. Methuselah is Enoch's son. Cain is Enoch's dad. Now, let's, let's... Give a little history lesson on Cain. Is Cain a good guy or a bad guy? Huh? What? He's not too nice. Cain whacked his brother Abel. Cain killed his brother because he was jealous, because God liked Abel's offering more than he liked Cain's. So Cain, this is Enoch's dad. Now, why does this matter? It matters because... Yes, your history of whatever you've experienced in the past, Cain, Enoch being raised by Cain, whatever you've experienced in the past does inform where you are right now, and it informs how you see the world, but it does not have to inform where you go from here. Faith can inform where you go from here. You do not have to be permanently defined by what you experienced as a child, by what you experienced in college, by what you experienced at a re- in a relationship, by the things you did or the people that harmed you because people will bring you harm in this world because we are all broken. Sometimes we bring people harm intentionally, sometimes unintentionally, but you do not have to be defined by that if you have faith. It is the power to release those weights that are holding you back, those things that you're saying, but this scarred me and I can't get past it. Yes, you can. Again, it's not easy. I'm not going to tell you it's a cakewalk. But the goal is far more than $50,000. It's an eternal life with the Lord Jesus Christ. It is eternal peace and rest. And yes, it will be work to get there, but you know what? With faith, your past does not have to define where you're headed can help you release those goals or release those things that bog you down. Faith also focuses on an invisible reality. It perceives what is not seen, which unbelievers unbelievers will never accept. I'm going to give you another Josh story today. We we're at a friend's house several years, many years ago. I'm going with, it was probably six, so probably 12 years ago. We were at a friend's house at a party and 
um, we were with a bunch of people, and some of us were inside and some of us were outside, and the kids were running in circles out the front door and around and in the back door, right? Just, just, I mean, they were chasing each other. They were having a blast. Well, at some point, somebody decided to close one of the sliding doors at the back door. And so Josh, poor Josh, comes flying around the back door. Boom! Down. That was an invisible force to him. But just because it was invisible, did that make it any less real? I'm, his face says otherwise, right? There are forces at work in our world that we do not see working. Satan is one of those forces in our world. The Lord is one of those forces in our world. If you've ever experienced something, just a miracle happen, somebody show up at the right place, the right time that you could have never predicted, that is a force of the Lord working in your world. Those forces work. As a friend of mine says, there ain't no such thing as a coincidence. Okay? There are forces working in our world. In order to see them for what they are, to set aside the ones that are holding us down, we have to believe that they are real. You have to be willing to see them. Are you willing to see them? Faith helps you be willing to see them. It helps you understand that there are things that work in your world that you cannot tangibly grab, that affect your life. But in order to manage them, in order to deal with them, in order to, to see the Lord through them, you have to have faith. You've got to believe that there is a force for good working for you, just as there are forces for evil that He is helping you fight against. And the truth is, if we really trust in the Trinity, if we trust in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we must believe that there are invisible forces working, otherwise the Holy Spirit is not here. And I'm here to tell you, He is all over this place. And He is all around you and all over your lives, and He is watching over you and guiding you and counseling you and advocating for you before the Father God. That is the core of our faith, that the Holy Spirit is functioning in our world. If we can't believe in invisible forces, we're in trouble. Faith also fulfills its purpose in pleasing God. In pleasing God. Um, I saw some, uh, Camp Bethany sent out some surveys that they had with, that they um, asked kids. They sat down with the kids during camp this year and they asked them questions about where they were at, what kind of things they were working on with their faith and things like that. And um, one of the questions was, how do you know you are in connection with God. Does that sound right? I don't think it said saved. How do you know you are in connection with God? How do you know you are connected to God? And one of the answers, one of the options for an answer was, um, I've, I've committed to Christ, right? That's a, that's a win, right? I'm saved through Jesus Christ, my relationship with Him. One of the answers was, I'm a good person and I do good things. Okay, now raise your hand if you think that is absolutely the way we should evaluate whether or not we are saved. 
And yet a number of kids check that box. It's concerning to me because of the weight that lies on them. The weight that lies on them to think that they have to be perfect in order to please God. Your salvation is not predicated upon you being perfect. Because guess what? You will never be perfect. Heather's pretty close. <laughs> right? Okay, she's not even in the room to hear it. Don't. So, you will never be perfect. And your salvation is not based upon whether or not you earn it. You cannot earn it. It is a gift from God, not something you can earn. And I see not just kids, but adults do the same thing. They think if they just do enough stuff at church, or they just do enough stuff, they give away enough money or do enough things or tied up in enough events that that's going to save them. That is not the case. You cannot earn your salvation. Faith reminds us that it is a gift from God. And it is a relationship with Him that saves us. Without faith, it becomes a not a faith, but a matter of earning your salvation. You can't. Rats. Wish I could, but you can't. Faith also fixes our lives fully on the things of God. It allows us to set aside those things that Satan would use to sidetrack us so that we can engage in his calling on our lives. It helps you let go of all those other things that will drag you down, the addictions you might have that keep you from being the person God wants you to be, the, the desires and goals and things that, you know, the bigger car is not going to get you closer to God or get you closer to heaven or even get you happiness. It's really not. Faith helps us recognize where the source of our joy is, where the source of our happiness is. And you say, okay, Rob, we chose faith. Now what? I'm choosing faith. Okay, next one. Next point, go beyond wind sprints. Go beyond wind sprints. You want to, let's see, Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, it says, Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God in struggling against sin. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Throw out my next picture. Okay. It says before and a few weeks later at the bottom. The guy on the on your right is the mountain. Who's the guy on the left? Same guy. Same guy. Did you know that the mountain before he became a, a power lifter was a pro basketball player in Europe? He doesn't look the same, does he? So in his time as a basketball player, he was focused a little bit on being strong. You want to be strong, right? But you also want to be aerobically very fit. You want to be very, very flexible, right? You train for the task at hand. 
You train to be able to get up and down the court. You train to be able to jump higher. You train to be able to move faster. You train your hands. You train your eyes. You train your feet to do the right things, to get on, to make sure you're defending properly or making a drop step. I know a lot about basketball, sorry. Um, you, you, you train for those skill sets. But if you change sports, does your training change? Your training changes because your goals are different. And so what I'm, what I'm trying to help you understand is if you want to connect with the Lord, the way you train spiritually has to change if you have different goals. You cannot simply accept the Lord or say that you know the Lord and then not change something about what you're doing, especially in your spiritual life. Because you should, I hope, we have different goals in knowing the Lord. So what do you, what do we need to change? Well, Hebrews tells us what we need to change. The first is this, we need to train together. Train together. Remember it says, therefore, since we have all have such, also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us. It starts with the witnesses. It starts with those people that are watching over us, but yes, but also those people that are with you. Those people that are walking with you. Our spiritual journey, if you want to come to know the Lord, is not done in a box or in a silo. It's not done solo. It's done with others who are also pursuing God. Because I have blind spots. I need those people in my life who will help me grow closer to the Lord. And I'm confident we all have those blind spots. We need each other. There are also going to be times when I am thoroughly just drained and down. And God has placed those people in our lives to lift us up in those times so that later on when they're down, we can lift them up. If you have found an inability to connect with the Lord, it might be because you have an inability or a no desire to connect with other people who know the Lord. You cannot do it in a silo. And that's foreign to us, especially in our culture. Our culture leads us to believe that we can do everything ourselves. Independent, right? Independence can be a wonderful thing, but it's interdependence that God calls us to have for each other. There's a Great example of interdependence, and they're both sitting in this room. I'm sorry, but I'm going to point you both out. There's a Jerry Culp and a Dave Jackson, who are both farmers, right? Who have farms here and there. I'm amazed and have been so blessed to watch the way these two guys watch out for each other. The way they help each other, the way they provide each other with equipment, the way they provide each other with hands (laughs) and time the way they help each other plow, the way they help each other harvest, the way they help each other, all of it. That's, that's exactly what we are supposed to be doing for each other, is being interdependent. Because I need you and you need me. We are to train together, except if I were to ask how many of us are involved in things where we are training together We would have to, I think it's a rather small number. 
you know, the shameless plug for life groups. Life groups are not something that are intended to ask you to carve more out of your day that you don't have. They are something that I think is essential to changing the way we train, the way we do our lives. If you want to come to know the Lord, that means not doing some things you were doing before and exchanging them for something better because your goals have changed. Got it? So the mountain spent less time doing wind sprints and more time lifting weights. We should probably spend less time trying to figure things out for ourselves and more time trying to figure things out together. It's amazing how that will change your entire perspective. Don't try to get through whatever's bogging you down by yourself. Satan wants that. Don't let him do that to you. Second, follow your coach. Who's your coach? Jesus, good answer. I was really afraid somebody was going to say Rob. That's a bad plan. I'm an assistant coach. Jesus is your coach. Jesus is the one who is teaching you what to do, when to do, and how to do it. And you say, well, how does he teach me? Well, I would say two ways. One, the Holy Spirit, or three ways. One, the Holy Spirit. Two, each other. We just talked about that. And three, this lovely little book that most of what we're talking about today comes out of. The Bible is your coach. Nothing of what I say, I hope, is ever deviates from what God is trying to teach us. Because he does. He tries to teach us what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to do it and how to find that spiritual connection with him and that connection with each other and faith that we all beg for and want and healing that we so much need. But you got to read the book. You got to train differently. As I said, the mountain trains six days a week. How many days a week do we crack this open? and prayerfully consider what God has to say. If it's just Sundays, you're not training for your connection with God to grow. Do this for yourself, please. Don't do it because Rob says so. Do it for yourself because your coach is speaking to you. But are you listening? Watch the finish line. That's our next one. Watch the finish line. And you say, well, Jesus made this decision. It says he endured this challenge, this difficulty, because of the joy that lay before him, because of what was on the other side of that. So often we get so bogged down with what's in the moment that we forget the eternal implications. We forget that if, if, if we are truly the people of God, if we can't have peace in the midst of the storm, if we can't have hope where others are hopeless, then we are not keeping our eyes on the end goal. Because the end goal is that we serve the Prince of Peace, and the end goal is eternal, eternal, eternal peace, joy, love, and glory sitting with the Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Yes? That is the eternal goal. If, if we can't be hopeful in that, knowing that my eternity is secured, your eternity is secure, you do not have to worry about it. Wherever you're going through now, eventually will end because seasons end. And guess what? 
you will be at the right hand of the Father. How can you not be hopeful? Keep your eye on the goal. Remind yourself regularly. The earth is not your home. (laughs) That your place is at the right hand of God in heaven. Remember that that is the goal. And I say, yeah, it's simple. It's remember that. Train yourself to remember that. It's the difference between being half full and half empty in your glass, right? If you're half empty, you are bogged down on the fact that you're missing something right now or it's not right right now or it's not good right now. But if you're half full, you're going, oh, we're almost there. And God has got me. It's part of training your brain to follow or training your heart to follow where your brain knows where it should go. Second, embrace endurance. We saw that the mountain shed blood for his goal, right? It came out of his forehead. Jesus did the same. And the text challenges us here. It says, for who of you have resisted to the point of shedding your blood. This is not a sprint. This is a long-term endurance race. It's not something you can do haphazardly. It's not something you can do in the moment. Um, So often, we treat our relationship with God as a series of short sprints, a series of wind sprints. Let me give you an example of how that works. We find ourselves in a predicament or hurting very badly. And so we, we double down and say, and we pray more, right? We pray more. We, we read, maybe read more. We come to church more often. We show up. And then as soon as the storm is passed, we don't pray as much. We stop coming to church and we don't read his word. And then six months later, when we're in trouble again, guess what happens? The cycle starts all over again. We're running our faith as wind sprints and not training for an endurance race. Because if you want your faith to endure, if you want your connection to God to endure, just like these guys do to get strong, you train six days a week. They train constantly. It is a disposition. It is a lifestyle. It's not panic mode. And that's how we handle our faith often. We handle it in panic mode. I'm in trouble. I dig deep, get what I need from God. And as soon as the trouble's passed, I'm back to what I was doing before. I see it a lot. I see it a lot. And I, can I just tell you, you are missing out on what real faith is. You're missing out on all the things that God promises. You're missing out. The last thing is this. Claim His grace. Hebrews 13, 20-21 says, Now may the God of peace who brought you up from the dead, who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of His everlasting covenant. We've read this before, have we not? I think we read it for like a year. Every Sunday, equip you with everything good to do his will, working in us what is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. This is simple. If you want his grace, 
It's available to you. It is Paul's prayer that you will take it. It's Paul's prayer or whoever wrote Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews, as he's, as he's, as he's speaking to all these people. This is the very end of the book and he's told them all these things about finding faith and knowing the Lord and the unrivaled nature of Christ, the incredible thing that, that he offers and who he is and what you have access to. And he comes down to it and says, I'm praying that you will just take it. That you will just take it. That you will just Come to know the peace of God that you will just allow him to be your shepherd and your coach, that you will just enter into this everlasting covenant. Remember, we talked about eternity. This is everlasting, permanent, always, not not just today, not just tomorrow, but always. Will you enter that everlasting covenant? Will you let him equip you with everything good to do his will? Will you let him do the things that are pleasing in his sight with you so that you can be pleasing in his sight? And will you know his glory forever and ever? I pray we can say amen. Choose faith because it is a choice. Stop doing wind sprints with your faith and simply embrace the glory that he's offering you. Embrace the love that he's offering you and let go of all the junk that keeps you away from him and that bogs you down. This would be a good time to do that. If you have not yet made that commitment to Christ or if you need to make a recommitment to Christ or if you're still going, Rob, I don't know where to start. Great. Let's get you started like now, okay? So uh, we're going to stand. We're going to end service the way we always end service. If you stand up, we are going to pray. I have a list of prayers, public prayers, that I'm going to read off. It's a big list today. And then if we have opportunity for private prayers, we're going to take those. If you would like to make a commitment to Christ, I would love for you to come forward and do just that. Because somebody will gladly take you by the hand and hear your confession of faith. They will gladly take you by the hand and listen to your recommitment. They will gladly be with you as you make that commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. We have a list of people that will run up here for you. This is your time. Don't miss out. As we read our prayers, let's consider this. Rita Helmendaler is having a total knee replacement this coming Friday. We know she's been wanting that, right? But... Surgery always makes us nervous, so let's pray for her to be healed in that. Uh, Susan's sister-in-law, Lisa, has lung cancer and, and brain cancer. We've been praying for her for a number of weeks. She's um, no feeling in her hands right now. And uh, she's seeing a neurologist on Monday. Let us pray for healing there. Uh, Keith, Bill, Scott, and Jim wanted you to know, uh, praise God, they, are, they got third place in the in the uh, softball tournament and there's a trophy in the narthex if you really want to get your picture taken with them so (sighs) so we also want to continue to pray for the teachers and the students that are preparing for school to start up for a number of our our school districts it starts this week right and then a few start next week so please pray for them pray for your teachers we have a lot of educators here in this building Uh, we are praying for you Please pray for those students as well that they find 
people who know the Lord, love the Lord, and they surround themselves with influences that will influence them towards a life that God is calling them to because it's easy for it not to. Uh, Tim Tillman wanted to give you an update. Tim is home. He currently has two ports in his arm. He's taking meds every four hours. Um, so he's, he's homebound for right now. He's going to have to permanently change his way of life and his diet. He did have a small heart attack, which has decreased his heart's capacity to function. So that is a cue for you to go visit him and not expect him to just come visit you. Also, uh, Chuck Gamble, you had a great test results this week. Praise God. Praise God for great test results. We've also got Marvin Swanger. You've seen some improvements this week, yes? Praise God for that too. Come on now. Kyle Wagner has asked for prayers for his wife, Kelly. She has a sprained foot. Um, we need that healed before school starts, right? You can't chase kids around when you're limping. It's harder that way. What else? What else do we got? Anybody else? What is going on in your world? Gregory Kloninger, I'll get to you in a minute. I got Deb first on the way. Okay. Okay. Pray for Keith Reefstall and his blood counts. They're not behaving, right? Pray the adju medication adjustment fixes that. Yes, Gregory. Good job, Gregory. Good job. Gregory lost eight pounds this week. That's a victory. Take it, right? What else? Anybody else? Holly. Colin's grandfather. Yep. Pray for the troops because we want them home. Yes, always. Always Holly. Never fails. Anything else? Uh, I would love for you to pray for us and our teens tonight. We are having an overnight camp out here at the church. There will be roughly 20 teenagers. If you're feeling insane and you want to come hang out with us for a while, we'd love to have you because I'd love a nap at some point during the evening. Uh, if you have opportunity today, we are going to be leading worship at Green Hills at 2.30. We would love to have you there just to be around other people, remind them they are loved, and oh, have ice cream at the end of service too. That's always a win. So awesome awesome ice cream here they come out of the woodwork it's magic all right let us close in prayer father god we are so thankful for your love we are thankful for your unending mercy and grace and faithfulness father we have been spending some time studying the fact that you are unrivaled there is no other like you in this world or in this universe and today i, I pray that that we will recognize that if we have not. And if we have at some point in our life recognized that, that we will truly embrace you. We will embrace you as our Lord and our Savior, our priest and our King, our coach and our friend. That you will that we will lay down those things that burden us that we will throw out those heavy weights and remember that no matter what we've experienced before you can lead us into a different future you have the ability to wash away all of those things let us mold our hearts and our minds 
to be the people you would have us be. To remember that you speak to us always through your word and through your Holy Spirit. To remember always that you have put us together so that we can be there to train one another. So that we can be there to strengthen one another, to carry one another if necessary in those times that we can be the people that you've called us to be. And remember that the world will know us by how we love one another. Father God, we are humbled that you call us your children. We are humbled that you call us your friends and your brothers and sisters. I pray that you will carry us this week as we go through the week, that you will allow us opportunities to bless others and to bless each other. You will strengthen those who are ill. You will help those who have walked away or wandered away to you to come back and remember that you love them very much. We are thankful for your mercy, your grace, and the blood shed on the cross for us. It is in Jesus' holy name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a great week. Thanks for coming.